Jingle bells, this movie smells, it freaking stinks all the way. Oh, what fun it is to waste our time with horror movies like this. Dashing through the crap of a streaming only dump. Drinking all the way, we'll get good and drunk. Wow. Happy holidays, listener. For this episode, we'll be overstaying our welcome with the sixth installment of a beloved Christmas movie franchise, a sequel that I'm almost certain everyone will regret having watched. We're talking 2021's Home Sweet, Home Alone. I am truly sorry. Pops and box office flops. A place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy the show. Welcome and thank you for joining us again on the 136th episode of Hops and Box Office Flops presented by Wobam Entertainment. We are Twitter's third favorite podcast dedicated to bad movies and good beers. For tonight's episode, we're sledding into the first installment of our Hops and Jingle Bell Flop series with 2021's Home Sweet Home Alone again. I am so, so very sorry. This one is even worse than the one with Donald Trump. There's not a whole lot of apologizing you can do that will ever make up for this. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just so sorry. It, uh, it's bad, folks. I don't know if that's enough. Of, there has to be a worse description. It's not bad. It, it, it's an abomination. <laughs> it's barely a movie. Like torture, this has been banned in several countries. Oh yeah, this is this is definitely illegal in Thailand. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually fairly sure this thing has a trial at the Hague coming up. <laughs> uh, so uh, I Chumpzilla will be the host for this episode, and joining me are the pod's resident data migration slash cloud computing expert, the Thunderous Wizard. This is my podcast, and I have to defend it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, that's a, that's a line from the movie that works. And also joining us is our favorite rich asshole brother with a racist stereotype for a wife, Mayor McCheese. I'm just going to use my time to go back to both of these lead-ins. One, highly unnecessary. The, the whole data analyst cloud thing is fucking res- just ridiculously stupid. And the rich brother asshole thing, no explanation. You know, yeah, the, the cloud computing thing, it's just like, hey, buzzword, hashtag cloud well it's, that's what this hip. whole the kids that's will what get this it. whole a, movie is like it's like oh yeah here's the john williams score oh here's the scene that you should remember from the first movie uh i just want to point out that like the movie and whatever uncle it was this podcast is going to get a little crazy because mary mccheese ate a lot of deviled eggs for lunch so oh boy don't knock my diet all right deviled eggs are delicious listeners are delicious there's a comedy bit in this movie that revolves around an uncle defacing a starbucks bathroom because he had a lot of deviled eggs for lunch by the way this uncle is never seen on camera because he's always shitting his brains out that's the joke i I, i'll just get out of the way now I, i don't understand any of the family dynamic for the mercers is the kids family uh, listeners max which is our, our kevin analog I, I i don't know who's an uncle who's married to who whose kids or what i it doesn't make any sense because they don't explain it and it doesn't matter okay so uh, 
the wife is married to the principal from Eastbound and Down, who's hey, barely partner. in the movie, but he steps on a Lego. The uncle is uh, Pete Holmes, who yeah, yeah, yeah. is in like 10 minutes of the movie and then must have realized like, uh-uh, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done here. I wasn't sure which one of those two was the dad and which one was the uncle. It really wasn't clear until the, until like they get to Tokyo for reasons. It, yeah. it doesn't matter, folks. Uh, as always, you can find the pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Hops and Bo Flops, and you can download the pod anywhere the finest podcast can be found on the interwebs. You can also find us on Wobam Entertainment at W O B A M E N T on Twitter and Instagram for all of your holiday themed booby trap content that your inner Kevin desires. Oof. Um, yeah. So that brings us to beer because this movie definitely requires it. Um, and to kick off the holiday season, I've gone with a festive graham cracker stout from Burnt Hickory Brewing out of Kennesaw, Georgia. That's a Chumpzilla local. And uh, their big shanty graham cracker stout pours a dark brown with the creamy head you'd come to expect from a stout. It's got chocolate and roasted malt notes to go with the advertised graham cracker flavor and a hint of cinnamon and spices as well. It's smooth and fairly easy to drink, even though it checks in at a Captain Cash approved 9% ABV. It doesn't taste too boozy, but at 9%, it will warm you up on a cold winter night and maybe even help you forget about taking a pool ball off the dome. I'm giving Burnt Hickory's Big Shanty Graham Cracker Stout a one and a half bad movie rating only because at 9%, it could get pretty dicey during that second movie. But it's pretty good. If you can get your hands on it, check it out. It is available year-round. It's not just a holiday beer, but I thought it would uh, it would fit with the theme of our Jingle Bell Flops series. So cheers, it, gentlemen. It does sound delightful. I will give it that. Uh, and, you know, at 9%, it'll sneak up on you because it's pretty smooth. It doesn't taste too boozy, and the aftertaste isn't strong. So I recommend it if you can find it. It's not bad. Yeah, I'm drinking gin because fuck this movie. Uh, yeah, that's appropriate as well. <laughs> There's, there's, there's nothing about this movie that Jin wouldn't fix. Yeah. Oh, God. You know, it doesn't sneak up on you. The mediocrity of this movie. It's very apparent from the jump that this is not going to get better. Listener, if you want to see a visual representation of phoning it in for an hour and a half, just watch this or try to watch it. And then 25 to 30 minutes in, you'll turn it off and be like, well, I didn't, I didn't really need to finish that. Yeah, and, and there's not a lot of backstory or behind-the-scenes drama here because this is a recent release. It's just come out on Disney+. Plus. Uh, I think you know Bob Iger back in 2019 announced that this is one of the properties that Disney was going to develop for Disney+. Plus, and they got some comedic actors to participate and, and a director that's done some comedy stuff that's been successful. We'll get to that here in a second. And Now, let's be clear here. This is the sixth home alone movie okay so there's home alone one and home alone two which we're all familiar with with you know kevin McAllister, played by mccully culkin released in theaters huge massive hits and then there were i guess three more direct to has anyone seen beyond one two i didn't I've, even know i didn't, I didn't, even I didn't know, know, I didn't know this was six i've seen three no i've seen home alone yeah. three and i saw that when i was a kid and my kids just watched it the other day and that one's about international spies <laughs> and like toys and like toys that are like drones it's yeah home alone spy the, kids yeah kind of and then so you've got home alone three that the thunderous wizard just described there's home alone the holiday heist 
and then shouldn't that be this isn't that the Aren't they just rewarming the fourth Home Alone for the sixth Home Alone? <laughs> I don't know. And then I guess there's another one or something. Who knows? Wait, uh, why is it the but, holiday heist? Every Home Alone is at Christmas. <laughs> I, I don't know. There's another one. And, and so basically the only behind the scenes drama that, that they make mention of is that they did have to shut production down briefly for the COVID outbreak. And then and then they resumed. Um, well, well, that's so. very clear because the movie feels pretty frigging empty from these opening scene with the family on like there's not a lot of extras in here no it's a very small movie it's a very small movie you don't see a lot of big crowds i think there's like one scene where they're at an outdoor mall and that's about it and that's got one uh, of my well, favorite they, jokes of the movie in it they go to a church they're, yep they do go to church there's a yeah. church in, the, in there yep and yep, uh, yep. and uh, two houses yeah are we doing the similarities now? Because there's a bunch that are just forced fed to you throughout oh, no. the entire well, Yeah, let's, let's, let's get to that because I have a really truncated plot. So we'll have plenty of time to expand on that there. Yeah, keep, um, the, plot, keep the plot maybe one-tenth of the length of this movie. That'd be fantastic. I'm just saying maybe there should have been some behind-the-scenes drama here. Maybe, maybe the director should have gotten into a fight with Pete Holmes or something. Maybe that would have helped the movie. Or maybe they should have put in some behind-the-scenes effort to make this somewhat enjoyable. <laughs> that that might have helped, too. Honestly, um, if I were John Hughes' estate, I'd petition to have his name removed from the credits. Well, I'd like to point out that both Macaulay Culkin and Chris Columbus distanced themselves from this movie. Like People asked if they were going to be in it or involved, and they're like, no, I don't know anything about it. You know, yeah, it's the Mariah no. Carey meme. No, I, I, don't, I don't know them. I don't, I don't know. Um, it's like but, being hey, friends with OJ. You'd be like, I never hung out with him. Yeah, no, yeah, <laughs> no, uh-uh. I, I don't know him that well. But here's what we do know: that when the trailer dropped for this back in October, it racked up seventy nine thousand dislikes in the first three days. <laughs> so this might be why YouTube got rid of the dislike button. It was probably to save Home Sweet Home Alone, which also might be the worst title of a movie ever. I have it's several questions on why it's that is the title. It doesn't pull into the movie at all. No, I, I, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. There, there's several weird angles to this movie that kind of like play off themes from the first one, and none of them really pay off. So, as far as the tail of the tape goes, we have no clue uh, what this movie's doing on the streaming services, and it's not released in theaters. So there's no box office for this, and I'm sure it would bomb super hard if it did go to the box office anyway. And, uh, you know, it was released for streaming on November 12th of this year. And so far, it's pretty much been universally panned. Um, Rotten Tomatoes gives it a 16%. The user score is lower at 12%. Which I think is far too high. That should be in the single digits. But I'm just glad that at least the users were smart enough to know this is, is worse than what the critics thought. Because there's, there's, there's no way you should give this a bump. There's, there should be no user bump on this one. This is not like a audience-friendly popcorn-type movie. Like, no, everyone should hate this pretty much equally. Uh, Metacritic gives it a 35 with a user score appropriately lower at 1.7. So I don't get it. The critics give it a little more credit than users. I'm not sure why. I, this is the kind of movie that I think critics should absolutely just crush because it's, it's just awful. Well, um, but it's the mouse, and there's got to be some on the take. <laughs> all right fair i mean i guess um it's pg and it runs for 93 minutes uh, which i had to double check because it feels way longer than an hour and a half oh this thing drags man 
I mean, I'll say it now. I, I texted it to you guys. I watched portions of this on 2X because I was like, I can't. I have to. This has to be in my past. And frankly, you're not losing anything when you do that either. No, you don't. There is nothing that I was like, oh, I should slow it down and go back and rewatch that. I'm like, if I could have bumped it up to 3X, I would have. But I don't yeah. want to listen to them talk like mice. Yeah, so let's talk about the director, writers, and cast here because, again, there are talented people that have done things that are very funny or, or at least successful uh, in terms of making a film that's watchable here, and somehow they all came together to make this crap. Uh, Home Alone 6 was directed by Dan Mazur, who is a frequent Sasha Baron Cohen collaborator and writer. I mean, this is the guy that wrote all of Sasha Baron Cohen's big movies, Borat, Ali G, uh, The Dictator, uh, Bruno. Like, I mean, this guy apparently knows what, what funny is supposed to be, but this movie begs to differ. Well, um, oh, is yeah, this he is... also directed Dirty Grandpa. I think that's the Zac Efron, uh, Robert De Niro movie. movie. It's not, uh, was not yeah. good. So, well, that, he... so that, that, that makes me question what this guy can do as a director. It's like, okay, so he's a good writer. He's written some funny movies with Sasha Baron Cohen, but ooh, Dirty Grandpa, not a great that, uh, that's, director. That's my crap. question. What is his directing chops? Obviously, he can write, and he can write comedy, but they put him in the director's seat. It, other than Dirty Grandpa, has he directed anything else? Yeah, a couple like smaller movies that I didn't recognize. Honestly, the direction is not bad on this. The whole Yes, it is. Yeah, uh, it's, it's not all, the worst. It's, it's not the bad. worst thing about it. The writing and the acting. Yeah. Well, I think generally the writing and the general plot and plot summary and yeah. the, I mean, maybe he was just getting a paycheck. I mean, or they're just like, hey, this is the script. We're running with it. Put the scenes in place. I wouldn't say he was the worst part of this. I would. This falls <laughs> a lot on the writers and the fact that somebody greenlit this thing. I just question the way he strings some of the scenes together. Just, to me, a lot of the stuff just seems meandering. It's like, man, you gotta, you gotta make this more dynamic and compelling. It's supposed to be a Home Alone movie, and it, the physical comedy falls flat. And I think it's, I think it's some of the set, set up in the scenes. Like, I, I think there's plenty flat. of blame to spread around here. That's all I'm trying to say. It all falls um, flat. <laughs> oh, fun fact: Dan also was a writer on Bridget Jones's Baby. So there's that. I don't. I don't know if that's good or bad, but what is that? I thought that was an interesting uh, writing credit. It's that movie where Bridget Jones has a baby. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's that's uh Renee Zellweger and, and Hugh Grant the, being charmingly who the, befuddled. Who the yeah. fuck is Renee Zellweger? Uh Colin you know, first. No, no, Joey Lauren Adams, whatever. There you um go. now so Dan Mazur was the director, and the movie was written by Mikey Day. You will recognize him as Don Jr. on SNL and collegehumor.com alumnus uh, Streeter Seidel. So this pair had worked together as writers on SNL uh, before uh, Mikey Day became uh, one of the featured players. And hey, these are also the guys that gave us the David S. Pumpkin skit. So I guess it's just all been downhill since then. Yeah, you got to peak. Everyone's got to peak. They might have peaked with that. I mean, hey, but peaking with Tom Hanks, you can do a lot worse. Yeah, this this is a lot worse. This is a lot worse. Um, <laughs> I'd rather I, watch an hour and a half of David S. Pumpkins on loop than this again. Oh yeah, and I have to admit, like we were kind of talking about like Mazur's career there. This might be like a career killer. The nice thing, it's straight to streaming, so it's one of those things that if you wait a year, people will forget. Mm. They're not going to constantly That's be like, true. "Oh, remember that thing that bombed in theaters?" 
That's very true. I think you know, this might fly under the radar. I think people might not, they might not know. <laughs> they well, might I mean, not see it. I, I, I don't, I remember seeing, because the Thunderous Wizards sent me something about it. I remember seeing at least one or two ad spots for this in maybe the October, early November, well before Thanksgiving. I have not yep. seen a, I have not seen a single one since then. I think the mouse knew. <laughs> I, I think like, the first week it was on streaming, they're like, ah, fuck, 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 pull it no, off, pull no everything. Money. Put no money behind this. Do not spend a dime on this turd. Just let it die quietly and we'll bury it in the back page of the holiday movies uh, on Disney+. Plus. But anyway, so for the cast, we've got a few folks that you'll recognize. A lot of like, oh, that guy's. Um, you've got Archie Jojo Rabbit Yates as Max, and that is this movie's version of Kevin McAllister. You've got Rob Peter from Deadpool 2, Delaney, and Ellie, not that Pam Kemper, as Jeff and Pam McKenzie. Quick They're question. The, uh, down and out family. Yep. Sorry. Do you think they named her Pam in this just because of The Office? I can only assume so. It's too much of a coincidence. Because honestly, if you got an Office cast yeah. member, like, you would probably change that unless it was that was the joke and it's not a very good one um and then we get it like i said we get a smattering of familiar faces and supporting roles keenan thompson shows up as a realtor tim simmons ali Mackey, pete holmes chris parnell for like two seconds and jim rash yeah jim rash oh what was that scene my goodness at the bells i don't i don't know see again a good director cuts that scene because it adds nothing to the movie unless you're padding the runtime Anyway, and last but not least, we also get Devin Rattray reprising his role as now cop Buzz McAllister, making him the only character from the original two movies to appear in this dumpster fire. And yeah. I'll just point out that even the dad, the star of Chud, knew better. The Enough. dad's dead. The dad really? from Home Alone, yeah. Oh, no kidding. I, I didn't No, <laughs> He's not that old, is he? Yeah, he died. Uh, Buzz's agent. Woof. <laughs> I wonder if they got so many B-level comedic actors because they were all just so goddamn bored from COVID that they were like, I'll do any movie, just anything, please. Well, uh, you know, and I imagine that they were big fans of Home Alone. So maybe they, uh, you know, wanted to be in a Home Alone movie and thought it'd be fun to do it for Disney. I I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. You're currently checking to see if the dad's dead, aren't you? I am. I am he's checking this. Dead. He dead. died dead. several years ago. The, from Big, from Home Alone. He's from yeah, Big. I was about to say, he's you dead. don't. You, you don't question the thunderous wizard. He passed away. He's, he's he's too good. John Heard. And if he didn't, he would have passed away after he saw this. Oh yeah. Sent him yes. into a state of <laughs> wow. Yeah, shock. He, he died in 2017 at the age of 71. Rest in peace, John Heard. But anyway, uh, yeah, it's a pretty small movie. That that's pretty much it right there, and. IMDB describes this movie as follows. A married couple tries to steal back a valuable heirloom from a troublesome kid. Um, mm. Yeah, kind of. Sure. I mean, I think that actually really points out the major problem in this movie, that instead of focusing on the plucky kid, which is the hallmark of the first two movies, this movie decides to focus on the dynamic between the down and out family couple uh, trying to get this doll back and the kid's almost the bad guy in a sense which is a weird a weird way to make your home alone movie because it's not as kid friendly as having the kid as the main character 
No, from the onset, they make the kid the bad guy, and they go out of their way to make him the bad guy. Kid's an asshole. See, <laughs> even yeah. Thunder's Wizard hates this kid. Uh, <laughs> and you know, Kevin was kind of misunderstood in the first movie, but it's also because he just felt like he was getting a raw deal. This kid, yeah, it's just kind of a jerk. <laughs> I mean, for the most part. Well, I will save a lot of it for at least afterthoughts or plot summaries because there's a lot of things they put the spotlight on that is not what a Home Alone movie is supposed to be. <laughs> and they take that spotlight and put it on, again, what a Home Alone movie isn't supposed to be. <laughs> and it somehow also fails to be a Christmas movie. But yeah, anyway, so what's your one-liner, Mary McCheese? Hallmark's Home Alone Mad Libs seriously how the hell did this end up on disney plus and not the hallmark channel that, that no that's really good though because the, the home alone mad libs part that's very accurate for the last and this has got to be some sort of weird kismet thing for the last week pandora on my and this is no joke my trap rap radio station has been pitching me hallmark's new movie which is a crossover between christmas and groundhog groundhog's day called christmas dot 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 again where it's a kid who's stuck in christmas and that's what i'm like okay that makes sense for hallmark and this should be with that it should be a back-to-back hallmark movie of hallmark christmas again and then this dumpster fire but no somehow this is on disney plus fair enough i'll even relate this back to last week's pod terminator genesis you know they retreaded a lot of stuff from t1 and t2 in that movie and it's kind of like oh yeah okay member berries this movie tries so hard to be like a soft reboot and reuse (laughs) a bunch of stuff from the original home alone and like the lines and some of the gags and i'm like i mean i was gonna save it for later (laughs) but there is literally dialogue that is word for word (laughs) delivered in a worse manner yeah and it's not well well, they even bring back angels with filthy souls except it's like a sci-fi movie and the most on the nose thing as the brother goes, oh, remakes are always, you know, worse. It's worse. Like, you're you're he, describing he, what you're in right now. Like that yeah. you think it's like a funny joke, but no, you're literally slapping the audience in the face. Like you're actually watching this. Just like I'm does, actually watching the science sci-fi version of Angels he with Dirty Souls. A soft fourth wall break where he's like, remakes are always way worse than the original, aren't they? And I'm sitting yeah. there on my couch going, Yes, yes, they absolutely are, you jackass. Yeah, it's supposed to be a wink at the camera, but it's really just a middle finger. So anyway, what's your one-liner, T-Dubs? I mean, what is there to really say about this soulless husk of a film, except that Taika Waititi managed to make this kid more charismatic as a Nazi youth? (laughs) I mean, that's uh, no lies detected. That, That is facts right there, folks. This movie's lead was more fun as a fascist. So here's mine. Finally, a movie that forced me to reconsider the artistic merits of bum fights. Borderline, but I'll accept it because I'd rather watch bum fights than this. (laughs) And I've watched bum fights exactly one time because we had a roommate in college who shall remain nameless who purchased it off of late night television and between Girls Gone Wild commercials, I'm sure. And we got excited to watch it. We sat down with 40s, I'm pretty sure. And every single one of us was like, yeah, well, we should never watch that again. That was, that was terrible. We were now worse people, you know, you know, so we didn't celebrate it. We, we thought it would be funny, but it wasn't, it was actually kind of depressing and awful, 
But uh, after seeing Home Sweet Home Alone, I uh, I might need to go back and watch that again to see if it was really that bad because I'm not sure now because this was just that awful. This could but. be one of those like underground movies back in the early aughts that you could only find either on late night Kate, like bum fights, faces of death and home sweet home alone should have had the same commercials in yeah. between girls gone wild. <laughs> well, and, you know, and the funny thing about it is the violence in this is played up. I mean, if you go back and watch the original home alone, you know, he really does almost kill the wet bandits which was I mean, the joke afterwards yeah, like he, he, it lights joe pesci's head on fire <laughs> yeah. that, that, but that was the joke afterwards that movie was amazing and then down the line like seven to eight ten years later people were like oh do you really realize that would have killed him in this they went the exact opposite direction they're like let's think of every booby trap that would guarantee death and put it in the movie yeah well and the thing about it and i think what chris columbus and you know having a john hughes script too helps here is that all of that violence was played like Looney Tunes slapstick. It wasn't meant to be hyper-realistic. Whereas this movie goes a little too far, I think, at some points where it's like, okay, this is a little too violent and the characters aren't laughing it off like Daffy Duck. So uh, anyway, so let's get into the plot here. For so You know what? Because again, this is a public service we're doing here, folks. Listen to the podcast while you're driving. We're going to tell you about this movie, so you'll never have to watch it ever. Um, but if you if you want to know what it's about, here you go. Here's don't need to general no, plot summary. Still, I'm don't not going to get it. too. Yeah, was, yeah. Don't don't. It's, we highly recommend you don't. But I'm going to give a general description here, not too detailed because it's new. Maybe somebody wants to make poor life choices and watch it. Whatever. So I won't spoil too much. But I mean, the movie basically revolves around two main families. The not so well off McKenzie family, and then the well to do Mercers. And it's a really weird dynamic because the husband has lost his job with the McKenzies and he's out of work. They can't afford their house. They're trying to sell it. Well, also then, not telling their kids. What a shit thing to do. Like, I understand financial times are tough, but you just can't all of a sudden be like, hey, we have to move in two and a half weeks. Sorry, we didn't give you a heads up. Yeah, it seems like a really and, and they don't really get into depth with their their kids. Their kids are just like side characters. I, I don't know. It's just whatever. They're not. There's a lot of stuff there, in this movie. Just for a bit there, I didn't out. know which kid was. I knew I knew which one of one kid was the brothers, but I didn't realize that they had a son and a daughter. I was like, oh, does the brother have two sons? I'd like, yeah, who's he who? was sort of there randomly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the whole family trees here again it's just not you don't get enough time with the characters they don't do anything that makes them memorable and and you can't tell who's who and unless you know you're the thunderous wizard and, and can keep up with this stuff but and then the mckenzie's are rich i guess maybe who knows i don't know but they like to go poop at people's open houses um or pee, pee. i guess he, he had, had to pee. pee his bladder he had to pee he had too much starbucks or something i, I don't know it was whatever uh but uh yeah, so they have to sell their house because uh, the dad lost his job. And, you know, this is when they cross paths at that open house with the Mercers. And following that chance encounter, the McKenzie's become convinced that Max has stolen their extremely valuable, ugly boy doll or whatever. This is um, why I hate this movie so much, aside from all the other terrible shit that's wrong with it but movies that have plots that are easily resolved if somebody's just not a moron don't need to be movies 
The whole movie hinges on them thinking that this boy has stolen the doll. And it would have taken 10 seconds to figure that out. Instead, we have to watch this little rich snot torture these poor people <laughs> for an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's kind of like kitty hostile. Um, but whatever. Uh, yeah, Someone jogged my memory. How did he... How did who told him that the doll was valuable? His he mom looked it up online. So the kid's mom well, was the like, mo- the mom oh, says don't it you first. know that those are worth so much money? Yeah. And then she later makes like he's an antique swear show comment. Yeah. He discovers it's worth not the five to ten grand, it's worth two hundred thousand. No, I, I remember that. What 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 I'm driving at here is we all have dumb old shit in our house, and we've all at least know or seen what antique roadshow is, and eBay is very accessible. You haven't once gone on and typed in, oh, I know the name of this dumbass doll. I might as well check what it's worth. He spent his whole time bitching about the cloud and not at least like looking through the shit in his house of what he might be able to sell so he doesn't have to ruin his kids' lives. Again, problems that could be easily <laughs> solved, yet we have to sit through this entire movie. And it certainly seems like that the dad's not trying very hard to get a job, too. It's kind of uh, like it's not... It's sort they, of like, or you could just get a job, another job. He's like, well, I applied with IBM uh, three months ago, honey. So they, they go through jackass. You got kids to feed. They go through painstaking measures to make him the dumbass oaf, like dad who can't accomplish or do anything and just basically whines for most of the movie. Yeah. It, and he, he's not a very compelling character. And you don't, you don't root for anyone in this movie. Now that you said that, yeah, no, there's not a single person in this movie. I was like, oh, I hope they X, Y, Z. No, all of them. I was like, I fucking hate everyone in this. I rooted very hard against the kid. But yeah, uh, yeah, because they they make him out to be the worst fucking little shit ever. Yeah. I want a McDonald's. uh, (laughs) Shut up, you little (laughs) asshole. (laughs) You're going to give, you're going to eat your croissant, witch and like it. No, so anyway, so yeah, so yeah, they're they're convinced that uh, this kid Max has got uh, this doll, which is the key to their financial independence, and they basically spend the rest of the movie trying to break into Max's house to recover the doll. And of course, he lives in this big ritzy neighborhood, so there's whole there's a whole like snobs versus slobs thing here that really does it. It's not, it's kind of an angle, but they don't really do anything with it, so I don't think it's supposed to be like that. But it's, it's still a little weird. Don't worry, listener. We get told multiple times in passing that they're still in Chicago. Got to know that. Got to remember that they're still in Chicago. Wherever this was yeah. shot was not Chicago. It was but Canada. They, <laughs> the fake breath killed me. The, the so snow bad. that didn't even appear to be real killed me. They spent so much money on awful, useless CGI, and then they're like, hey, what kind of snow do they use in snow globes? Can we get a ton of that? Because it looks so much like real snow. <laughs> well, yeah. So too bad uh, for the McKenzie's because Max has been left home alone. Dun, dun, dun. While his family celebrates the Christmas holiday in Tokyo. I just want to point because, out. Sure. Why not? He falls asleep in a car. In his in, BMW. In the garage. Mm-hmm. And yet somehow doesn't wake up. It's the dead of winter in air quotes, Chicago. And he <laughs> sleeps in a car in the garage. Nobody, not even the mother bothers to look for him throughout the rest of the night. It's not like he was sent up to a room. He literally goes and watches TV, which means he turned this frigging car on in the garage. No, no, no. They make a point I mean, and make, 
they make a point to show that he did not turn the car on, but there's an entertainment system that apparently can run off of the battery uh, or some horseshit. You know what would have yeah. saved this saved this whole enterprise a lot of trouble? Monoxide poisoning. Him starting, <laughs> don't, him don't starting say, the car and don't, us don't going kill, full midsummer. Yeah. Don't kill children to make the movie better, Thunderous Wizard. That's not that's not the way to go. Or it is it? Right? Well, I don't, really it I don't know if it would have made it more morbid, but it would have ended at 40. No, it ended at 25 minutes, would it would have been a service to everyone with eyeballs. Yeah. And then the movie then fast forwards into extreme rehash territory. And as you pointed out, Mary McCheese, it hits many of the same beats and dialogue word for word from the good Home Alone movies. And musical cues that don't fit the film at all. Mm -hmm. And visual cues, they just kind of sneak in there. This is earlier, but they, they have a little Nero's pizza box. They, they make it prominent enough that you'll notice it, but it's not like it's someone's going to be like, oh, on the Wikipedia trivia or on the IMDb trivia, did you guys notice the box? Like, yeah, everyone fucking noticed it. Like, we see what you're doing. It's not that creative. It's and lazy. It's lazier so, than shit. They're so creatively lazy. They even make Buzz remain a glutton because there's a scene where he's eating a burrito and he gets a call <laughs> about the kid being home alone. And this was kind of funny that he's like, oh, no, they do. there's a crank every year. They do this to me because we actually left my brother home alone. But then they spend another 35 seconds forcing you to watch him eat the burrito. I could not agree with this more because that part was actually intriguing where he's like, good job, Kevin. And like the alarm systems named like the McAllister alarm. I'm like, oh, that's creative. And then he just spills a bunch of burrito sauce on himself. And I'm like, yep. is this, and like the, the, the lingering cameras, like, does this come back later? Like, does he go to, the house and the burrito juice makes the little fat kid not trust him. Like, why we did? Uh, what, what is that about? And Mary McCheese, that's where I blame the director because that is just pointless screen uh, time. Okay, that goes you're right. Nowhere it means nothing, but they linger on it. And they're like, and you ask why? I agree. Like, with to you, quote I Jim Van Beber: "There is no why." There's uh-uh. yeah. There's multiple scenes where the kid is imagining like him being abducted by a bunch of elderly women, and they're like smoothing out his hair, or his mom getting arrested if he tells the police that he's home alone. And again, all this is just so dumb. And it, yeah, that reminded uh, me a lot of the flashback scenes from uh, a Christmas story, or from the Christmas story, which you do get some of that in the original Home Alone too, which was an inspiration for Chris Columbus. So I, I respect the fact they were trying to, you know, call back to those, you know, concepts, but they, they are used for a very poor effect. Like it doesn't add anything to the movie. They went way above and beyond the creepiness factor necessary for that scene. It would take something out of witches. I was expecting, expecting Anne Hathaway to show up. That was some shit out of like the late Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Like he's <laughs> afraid of old women. Turns out one of them's Freddy. <laughs> But yeah, and you know what, you know, um, uh, or, or, you know, the Disney equivalent, you know, Scary Terry. Um, what are the gags in the movie that added nothing to the comedy or the humor, but was a plot point, like a, like a C plot point, was the fact that their knockoff Alexa was set to German. Yeah, what? Why? It, it's like, it was supposed to be like a joke because they thought someone in the house was German and there was a German. It's like it's this is none of this is funny why is this a thing they, they spend it like a lot of time oh, discussing man. like ellie kemper's character tries to learn german and that's supposed to be a joke and it's not funny it never pays off there's no punchline it's I, just 
there. I almost feel like someone at Disney Plus has it out for Ellie Kemper, and they were like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to give her the dumbest haircut in history. We're going to give her Pam's name from the office so she can be reminded of that constantly. And then we're going to give her maybe the worst lines in history, including a bunch of nonsense German based off of an Alexa. Have fun. And again, we've already pointed out that her husband's supposed to be like this useless oaf who's not likable. And she's kind of supposed to be like, he's like the Homer Simpson. She's kind of the Marge Simpson. She's supposed to be the tough, the tough one of the brains of the two, the tough one of the two. But really, she's not much better than he is. She's just a little more assertive. There's there's nothing redeeming here. We should talk about how many beers you need to drink because I think the answers will be unanimous. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So let's get there because we're almost there. Uh, So Max defends his home from the doll-seeking interlopers via a series of quasi-deadly booby traps and maybe less than lethal weapons. No, Um, those things, the whole, everything he does in that whole scene, not only is it cheese dickish, but it's meant to kill. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But uh, anyway, eventually, you know, the McKenzie's and Max, you know, come to an understanding like, oh, wait a minute. You're looking for the doll. I don't have the doll. Oh, but I am home alone and I'm sad. Oh, okay. Well, you've been trying to murder us for the last 30 minutes, but why don't you come home and have Christmas with us? We'll call your mom. <laughs> uh, okay. So, uh, yeah, whatever. So then the movie ends on an unearned, sappy, holiday, uh, happy note, thanks to a very weak twist that is also completely unearned and barely set up. Spoilers here, folks. Don't listen to this part if you don't want to hear the twist. But it turns out the asshole brother that comes to visit the McKenzie's, his son, is a kleptomaniac. And you see him steal like two things during the movie. Quite heavily. And he then shows up at the end with the doll in his hand. Then we get a really unnecessary slow-mo scene of the doll being thrown across the room. Blah, blah, blah. Who gets crap? Okay, there's your spoiler. He likes to throw things and... Uh, the rich family is so obnoxious that they give this kid all sorts of really expensive shit that he just throws and they're like, Oh, it's okay. Yeah, good throw kid. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, Oh yeah. And then also officer buzz shows up for a creepy cameo, uh, you know, uh, the end I, I left that part out, but I really found the thing where Ellie Kemper distracts him, uh, by flirting with him to be completely off putting. How about the unnecessary interaction where they go to watch their daughter sing in a very inappropriate church dress and the kid comes because he thinks there's free toys and tries to take the church's donation toys? And then he weasels his way into getting one? (laughs) Well, he needed the squirt gun for the showdown. Yeah. Why was that a Lincoln we needed? Like, he has a house full of shit that he can murder people with. We need the fucking gun that he doesn't use. Hey, it's, it's in the movie poster. Um, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it gives him a, a bit of like opportunity to talk about Christmas and like some feeling stuff. And he talks to the, to the McKenzie's son. So it gives the son something to do because, you know, the daughter gets the dress. The son really doesn't have anything to do until that scene with Max. So I guess that was to get that kid some screen time. I don't know. It's awful. It's just terrible. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, we're no. we're blazing over so many parts that, like, remember yeah. when they just wandered into the family's house that's reading the Bible and nobody noticed them, and then they fell into the pool and the only one that noticed them is the child, and they're like, "No, that's part of the Bible." And, okay, For, and, like, no one's going to notice a screaming couple in the backyard that's stuck in the pool. Oh my fucking! Rich God. people don't care. That's the clear message there. Um, Anyway, so yeah, before we give our beer ratings here, let's uh, take a break. And after running through that plot, I feel like I've just taken a ball fired from a t-shirt cannon to the forehead. So before I pass out, here's a message from our man trap enthusiast pals over at the Hot Nation USA podcast. Hey everyone, this is Steve. And this is Adam. And we're part of the Hot Nation USA podcast. Pittsburgh's number three craft beer podcast. Join us every Friday for new beer reviews. We'll talk about the news, history, and homebrewing. Plus, we'll sit down with the best brewers and industry personalities that'll have us. So whether you're a casual drinker, a hazy boy hophead, or even if you're a whale hunting cellar hoarder, just search Hop Nation USA on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher and join the nation. Welcome back, folks, to our 136th episode of Hops and Box Office Flops, brought to you by Wobam Entertainment. We've covered the supremely disappointing plot for Home Alone 6, so let's give this cinematic turd our beer ratings. So I'll start us off here. Um, I'm going to give this movie all the beers. So six, eight, 12. It's just that bad. So all the beers. It is a very rough 93 minutes. Yeah, I concur. This is six pain beers, if there ever was one. This is one of the worst movies we've done. There's very little to enjoy here. And it's just... It's it has just none of that spark. Story. Yeah, it's so disheartening because the original Home Alone is so full of charm. And obviously Home Alone 2 is not particularly good, but it's not this. You know, that was yeah, trying I to mean, recreate, like, re-catch lightning in a bottle, sort of like the Hangover 2. This is just like, hey, we have the rights, let's do something. It's like, no, that's not how utilizing valuable IP works. Like, make something that is good and has quality to it and is worth making. The cast here is not that bad. Like this kid is very funny in Jojo Rabbit. He obviously has some sort of talent, yet none of it is on on display here. So, yeah, I blame the script and the plot because the story they're trying to tell here just doesn't work. You don't root for any of the characters, and nothing they do here is satisfying. Like there's no oomph to it at all. Anyway, Mary Cheese, what's your beer rating on this guy? I don't know if there's enough alcohol in the state of Ohio to make this tolerable. Mm, I mean, well. I, th- I think our upper limit's six. I would say that you should definitely have six during and six before and six after, because then maybe after 18, it'll wipe your memory and you'll never remember having to watch this crap heap. No, I, that's pretty fair. So on that note, but, you know, so I've got a few questions here just to ask the panel. How did this movie get released in this state? I mean, I'm at a loss. It is shockingly bad. And I have no clue how a group of provenly competent comedy people, both behind and in front of the camera, were able to produce this wet fart of a movie based on a beloved property. I mean, it's mind boggling. How come nobody at Disney stepped in and said, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, and then that's what I, we were texting about earlier. Is I don't know how this doesn't get stops when you start looking at dailies. I don't know how this got past the, the written table read plot point uh, run through. 
a lot of these, like the whole, like the whole gamut, take everyone you've ever heard of in this has something funny, but most of it is something kind of niche or like very unique hmm. to the them or their lane, if you will. I don't know if they were all shoehorned into like a, Hey, you have to make a home alone themed movie. And that's why it got, squirrely and shitty like rob delaney's funny like streeter seidel used to do decent writing for college humor uh ellen kemper is good in certain things mikey day has shown his worth on snl like how does this many funny people either be forced to go along with this scheme like there's a gun pointed to their head or are they just like fuck it it's a payday like I, I honestly, I, there is no correct answer to this question unless there's some sort of background story that comes out in three to five years. Like, oh, yeah, basically, blah, blah, blah. Disney told them that if they don't make this movie, their careers are dead in the water because they have so much power. Uh, you know, maybe they were like on some sort of like uh, scavenger hunt. Like they went to a party at George Clooney's house. And one of the things they had to do was be in a home alone movie. So they, everybody had to sign up for it to complete George Clooney's scavenger hunt. I mean, that would probably be the most logical reason. The, why uh, there is no this. logical reason. And like, the only thing we can hope for is that somewhere in our lifetimes, a store, like a behind the scenes and old school, like behind the scenes, home sweet home alone documentary comes out. That would be more interesting a thousand fold than this movie. Yeah. I'm waiting uh, for the 30 for 30. It's pretty clear that they, they just Disney just doesn't care about this property. I don't think they I care about not. a large number of the properties they acquired from Fox. And if you're a fan of some of those properties, you might be worried right now. What am I supposed to think about this Predator movie that's coming to Disney Plus only? Are they going to take a shit in a bag and light that on fire too? Well, it's just going to be a re it's going to be the Mad Libs rehash of Predator 1 and you're going to be super pissed off when they ruin Arnold's character and like make it Channing Tatum and he's trying to do the Arnold voice and then it's just you texting us like I I'm going to fucking jump off a cliff. I it's going to be PG-13, right? <laughs> that, also, so that's a, yeah. that's a big problem right there. Also content is king. When you own a streaming service, you put out a lot of content it's just you're throwing stuff at a wall. Some of it sticks, some of it doesn't. They needed a holiday movie. They said, put it out. Somebody will watch it. It's it's free. We we get paid by, you know, like we get paid by people signing up for this service and the amount of time they stream and spend on it, just put it out. But why do yeah. they need a holiday? They have holiday movies, they have classic holiday movies. You want a new holiday movie, you go to Hallmark because they churn out they have they churn out a dozen shitty holiday movies a year, and they're still somewhat watchable from what my wife tells me i mean she watches them they mostly because they're supposed they're supposed to be serious but they're actually hysterical like that's where this movie should be and if they would have taken that slider and skewed it towards the hallmark like way too serious for itself view of this maybe this works but you can't live in this weird middle ground of wanting to be home well, alone and then doing it in such a bad way there's always so, the chance they release this knowing it was hot garbage because then more people will watch it just to see how bad it is like the christmas prince which got two sequels on netflix <laughs> so yeah. just you know just you know on netflix is a movie right now called a castle for christmas which i can only assume means you're getting a castle for i think christmas? that's the punisher that's the punisher christmas movie Frank Castle yeah. for Christmas. Yeah. There you go. Now, uh, you make a really good point, McCheese, talking about the dailies. 
because there's one scene in this movie that really falls apart for me. It's the sequence. And I think you mentioned it when the McKenzie couple, uh, you know, Pam and the idiot husband, like go around the back of the neighborhood and stumble <sighs> through the, the pool and they go into the wrong house. Well, no, they, they try they to do, climb they, a wall. They do. Yeah, that, that's a, I don't know if you're going there and I'm sorry if I cut you off. They do a oh, way no, too ahead. long like yeah. way too long extended gag of climbing a wall and none of it's funny the physical comedy is terrible it's like this isn't even funny for a kid even kids would be like this is boring i don't like this it's like what is going none of that works and then it also showcases the horrible cgi breath as well and I, that, that that sequence to me that's when i'm like okay hold on stop stop what what are you doing here i'm going to the director like what are you doing here because you got to fix this. This we can't. You can't use any of this. This is well, horrid. To be fair, the breath wouldn't be in there yet. So, well, not in the dailies. <laughs> but I'm just saying that. But that scene just gets worse. It's bad enough, and then they put the breath on top. But I mean, anyway, I there's just, not a single good scene in the movie. The no, only win no. for Disney would have been to act like this never happened, and just yeah. never release it. No, Everybody no, I, was involved and light it on fire. I think like, I accidentally stumbled like it. upon it earlier. The only good scene is when Buzz is talking about the old Kevin stuff and they still take a hot steamy shit on that. Like if he would have <laughs> left it at like Kevin pranks me every year and like the security systems called him McAllister, that's somewhat funny. And then they're just like, hey, you know how we should follow that up? He spills barbecue sauce on himself. <laughs> Go out of their way to make every character unlikable for reasons anyway all right um so here <laughs> i'll take up one of t-dub's favorite questions but i'll tweak it for this film what was the worst booby trap or gag in your opinion i'll start with you t-dubs what did you hate the oh, most? uh there's a lot of them just sliding and falling <laughs> i think i really hated the security lights where they'd like pretend to be frozen like, red light green light it's like for maybe reasons. i get it the first time you do it but not the next 10 oh, hold on hold on i'd like to, you bring up a very interesting point here and it, it's it's not even a plot hole but it's just a plot inconsistency in the writing the first time we're introduced to the regular security lights the idiot husband freezes and he kind of like actually gets it's a t-rex kind of situation like if you, if you don't move they can't see you kind of thing but the wife's like, yeah, but if you move, it's just going to come on again. So just go. It's it's motion detecting. So stopping and starting doesn't really solve anything. It turns on every time you move, you dummy. Like, oh, yes, okay. That, that is a dad joke I do to my wife just to piss her off where I'm like, if we don't move, they can't see us. She's like, can you fucking shut up? You're an idiot. Like, but it's not even that good. It's just he's just no. he doesn't understand how how security lights work. And she does. But then when you get the scene with the ones that have been like, you know, juiced up by Max, then she forgets her advice from the beginning. And then she, <laughs> she freezes and then they fall down because that's too bright and it blinds them. It's a flashbang effect. I, yeah. No, that's pretty bad. I'd forgotten about that. T-dubs. That, that was pretty horrid. It's not, it's not good. I'm going to hop in now before I get too angry and oh, go ahead. Pop some sort of vessel in my brain. They live in Chicago and from what we can tell, they've lived in that house forever. There's a lot of flashbacks. So you understand how fucking ice works. And they're standing on an ice driveway next to snow. And everyone knows if something's icy, walk on the fucking snow. 
walk three feet over to the snow and you have traction, walk up the front door. Don't just constantly slip and slide up and down the driveway like a bunch of assholes for seven minutes while I have to sit here and watch you going, hey, maybe you should just walk up the snow right there. And again, none of that slapsticky physical comedy is is entertaining. It's just like if a they, wasted if, scene. If they flew in Arizona T-dubs, maybe he gets confused because... Ice and snow is not his thing. But these people live in Chicago. They understand how ice and snow works. Take two steps to the right and you're at the front door. Doesn't he also essentially establish a trap on the street to get them into a car accident? I don't, I didn't catch that because this is what I I, I was zoning out. Yes, that was totally part of his trap. He iced the entire. He tries to commit manslaughter on multiple occasions, starting with the car wreck. But, Which would have also taken out any of his neighbors that went driving by the cul-de-sac as well, effectively. As we mentioned, this kid is an asshole, and he's totally inconsiderate. <laughs> all he cares about well, is sugary he, drinks. He is a Nazi. I mean, McDonald's. <clears throat> That's all he cares about. Hey, I don't know if we mentioned it. Don't forget, they fucking did a Scarface scene of him eating <laughs> M&Ms and shit, just dumping food in his mouth in the same vein as Scarface. For no goddamn reason. Other than well, I like how he's that's, fat that's... and likes food. Yay. <laughs> yeah. Well, that goes back to when Kevin gorges himself and goes on the junk food binge and, and home alone. So, I mean, it's a call back to that. But they play it up in the Scarface motif because that's supposed to be a joke for the parents. But it, uh, you also get some drag. We also get some drag in the movie. Yeah, that was, say, all, yeah. that was pretty off-putting. One of our didn't second plot points, drag. Except he doesn't drag, do yeah. anything. It's not part of like his elaborate scheme. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah. He should have used drag as a costume. That that would have probably been funnier. Uh, but so so my least favorite like booby trap gag was the uh, thumbtack nerf darts because the CGI of the scene where he effectively turns. Pam into a pincushion was just terrible. And she's just, get, she definitely was going to lose an eye because she takes like two dozen like thumbtack tip nerf darts off the face. A lot. And then yeah. she walks around the rest of the movie with bad CGI or bad practical darts glued it's to her just, face. It's a, it, those are practical. The CGI was the friggin' two liters, which was like, oh, I'm that was sure, the sure these two liters would fly at her like. You know, missiles like heat-seeking oh, missiles. Yes, they all, they all managed to bounce off her goddamn trash can lid. What got it for me was I I don't know exactly what it was, but after he either set her feet or head on fire, I can't remember. She runs over. Feet. No, no, that was it. She runs over to the faucet to try to turn it on her feet, and it sprays her in the face. And the water coming out of the faucet is clearly a hundred percent fake. And at that point, I'm like, oh, we're just phoning it in. We're, fuck it. It doesn't matter. And her hair stays frozen for approximately two minutes. And then by the time she's back inside, like the gag of her hair being all stuck up, it's it's back down after it thaws out. No, oh, it's a hot-ass house. They live in a mansion. It's not going to be cold. They have money. I, I guess, yeah. I guess that's the one real thing about this is that the house is warm. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> they got that right. And it's they probably because Max left the car running in the garage. We all wish... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, you know, again, I mentioned it earlier, but as far as all this stuff goes, I just feel like this movie failed to find like a balance between the camp and the actual violence. I mean, there was a mischievous charm with those first couple of Home Alone movies, and this movie just has none of it whatsoever. 
Like it's just, I think this guy's trying to kill, this kid's trying to kill these people. Well, one, you need a bad guy who's not the fucking good guy or the main guy. Like not, who's not just there because he's poor. Yeah. Like <laughs> doesn't want to lose his house. Maybe introduce a bad character who's actually trying to rob the little fat kid and the poor people come to help because they think he has the doll. Movie uh, fixed. More on that later, Mitchies. I think you're on to something. All right. I got another worst question. What was the worst joke in the movie? Uh, I'll start off. I'll go first because this is far and away my least favorite joke because it was just so bad. Um because yeah, the movie's got a ton of pop culture references, like the Mentos and Coke gag. It's just a bunch of like, I'm assuming they just like focus group the crap out of this. Hey, what are the kids like? What's what, what can we put in this movie that you know kids will get? Um, and, and of course, all the callbacks to the source material. Um, but for me, the bottom of the barrel was definitely uh, when Pam says to her husband. You know, like, well, we can't really get in trouble. You know, we're stealing back something that's already ours. And she's like, that's what OJ got in trouble for the second time. That's like, oh, rim shot. No, wait, that's a murder joke. That's that's not funny unless you're Norm MacDonald. <laughs> like, I, I just I just thought that was a really weird, like, oh, that was for the parents. Again, that's for the parents because no kid is getting an OJ joke. Right. Or or an OJ the second time joke for yeah, at but, the very least. But what parent is laughing at that? I heard that I was like, it's, oh, I, I don't know. I, yeah. I mean, it's just why it's the same with the Scarface thing. It's like, oh, that's the that's a reference the parents get. That's not funny. The kid's snorting Skittles. And he, you know, uh, yeah, whatever. Uh, so anyway, do you think stick out to you guys? The German uh, thing's pretty terrible, but the 16 cloud-based jokes, all terrible. Yes, just the, the cloud, the cloud. It's just, hey, it's a buzzword. Oh, my God. I could delve into half the things we've already talked about. The, the biggest joke is the fact that you made us watch this fucking thing. Yeah, that's the cruelest yeah. trick of all. I don't I like I was trying to think to myself. I think we might have covered it earlier. How normally we do movies and I'm other like. This is awesome and people don't understand it all right, this kind of sucks, but I love it. And there's some movies that are bad and there's like this last seventh layer of hell category. And I'm trying to think of what movie last hit that. And it has to be the Nutcracker in the Four Realms. I don't, oh, and God. I think this is even worse than that. Ed, Ed it, this there. is, this is. Ed I mean, this there. is worse than Stuart Saves His Family. It's worse than that, yeah. I'd rather watch Ed than this because like all the all stupid right. monkey fart jokes aside, at least those are... I could watch that compared to this. Ed had just the smallest unit of the charm that this movie has absolutely none of. Like this movie is the absolute zero of charm. Um, this you know, movie so, is essentially an open dial tone for 93 minutes. You know, there's a joke about the first movie that basically uh, if Kevin would have just called the cops. <laughs> that's kind of a plot hole right you know if he just called the cops this all would have been fine um and said hey i'm home alone um and then they made a joke that you can't do the re you couldn't do a reboot you can't redo home alone because cell phones like cell phones also basically solved all the problems in that movie they also um, made a huge joke on that and this we're like we can't call home we don't have a landline who has a landline yeah, exactly. Got exactly. It. So, cool. and so this movie goes out of its way to address those because he has that flashback scene where he's like, "Hmm, my parents will get arrested if I call the cops," 
So maybe the cops are a bad idea. And then, yeah, there's no landline. And obviously he, now what kid doesn't have an iPad that he can't iMessage his parents on? But And also regardless. good for his parents for not explaining to him what police actually do. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, way not to trust authority kid. Uh, but anyway, how would you improve this movie or fix it? Um, I'm going to go first because I don't want you to steal mine, McCheese, because you hinted at it earlier. And I actually think it's very easy to take some of the elements from this movie and to work it into something that not only fits the mold of the first two movies, but also has the charm and more of the holiday spirit that you expect out of a holiday movie and especially a holiday home alone movie, which they're one of the same. You've got the poor family selling their house. The new wet bandits are cased in the neighborhood and they can just be whatever. I don't have to be the wet bandits, but you know, the new bad guys, they spot the stupid doll during the open house. Meanwhile, Max gets left behind and then you know, he's trying to get along being home alone, just like Kevin was on, you know, finding a way to live by himself while his parents are out of town. And while he's doing that, crosses paths with the poor family's kids and befriends them. They find out that he doesn't have anybody to spend the holidays with. So the kids like conspire to get him to come over to their house for the holidays. So he does. And he's spending Christmas there with them. They just think like he doesn't have any place to stay. They don't really know that it's because his family's in Tokyo. So while he's there, like on Christmas Eve or whatever, the new wet bandits try to break into the house and then uh, get scared off. And while they're there breaking into the house, that's when they discover they're there for the doll because the doll's worth money. So Max then uh, prepares for the return by taking the family back to his house and say, hey, guys, come with me because we'll be safe there. And they're like, what do you mean you have a house? And then he sets up an elaborate set of booby traps and lures the, the, the wet bandits into to his house, uh, you know, on Christmas Day or whatever, uh, to, well, you know, and to get them to try to steal the doll again. But this time they go through all of his traps and, and then blah, 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 blah. Uh, they get defeated. And then at the end, cop buzz shows up to cuff the bad guys. And the office lady calls Max's mom. Uh, and then we flash forward to next Christmas, just like this movie does. And everybody's doing great. At the end. Uh, you, I don't, I didn't time that, but that took way too long. Cause in that period of time, you thought more about this movie than I ever will for the rest of my life. This movie. <laughs> or, have, no, he thought more about it than the actual writers. Yeah, did. <laughs> this movie shouldn't have been made. End of story. If you, yep. if you buy up IPs, you use them in the best ways possible. This is this is a travesty. Shouldn't damn have been it, my, made. Done. Damn it! My answer is a combination of yours. Where yeah, you, you gotta you gotta hit, you gotta make the you gotta focus on the kids and then actually have real bad guys. T Dubs is first. This movie should have never been made. Jumpsill is second, but I would have tweaked it a little bit. Where essentially the poor family and the rich kid team against a group of bad guys yeah. trying to steal from the rich kid's house end of story that's the only two ways to make this better either never make it and save us the time and effort or make it in the way that jumpzilla rolled out all right listener we need to take a break here and freshen up our brews before we find our way to the competitive portion of the pod up next is the look what you did you little jerk trivia challenge but first here's a message from our wobam entertainment brothers from another mother at the double turn podcast 
Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm Boss Ross. And I'm the J-Man, and we're the Double Turn Podcast. Every Friday, we bring you the best in pro wrestling talk. Whether it's previews and reviews on pay-per-view events, discussing the hottest topics in pro wrestling, or bringing you a look back to some of the best matches and moments in history. We have it all for you. So check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and the Anchor app. And you can also give us a follow on Instagram at the Double Turn Podcast. And we will catch you on the flip side. Alrighty, welcome back to Hops and Box Office Flops presented by Wobam Entertainment. We've been talking about Disney's home suite, Home Alone, and now it's time for the Look What You Did, You Little Jerk Trivia Challenge. It's our standard format, five questions, multiple choice. And tonight, gentlemen, you'll be playing for the movie's pneumatic pool ball gun. Don't worry, I filed off the serial number. And tonight's chime-ins are Ugly Boy, along with any of the pod standers. And I really struggled trying to find a chime in for this movie because none of the lines in this movie are any good, but I thought the ugly boy thing would work. That's the best I could come up with. I screwed it up earlier. T-Dub said something that was fairly funny and I wanted it to be a chime in, but we kept talking through it. So damn it. Yeah. Maybe I'll think uh, of it. The we more go. we forget about this movie, McCheese, the better. It's very true. All right, gentlemen, let's get this thing started. This movie sucks, so all the questions tonight are related to the original Home Alone. Acceptable. Yeah, I cheated, but you know what? I think it's for the better. I mean, the less we talk about this thing, the better. So let's talk about the better one. Absolutely. Question number one. How old was nine-year-old Macaulay Culkin's stunt double in the original movie? Was he A, eight, B, 14, C, 22 or D 30. I'm going to shoot. McCheese. 14. B 14. That is incorrect. Fuck. Thunderous wizard. Can you steal? Holy tails, cocktails. Uh, I'm going 22. 22. C. That is also incorrect. I am sorry. The correct answer is 30. There's no fucking way. You can't old man. You can't make kids do stunts. So I knew it had to be an adult. Yep. Because if a kid gets injured, it's not good. Well, we're still tied up at goose eggs heading into question number two. Which John Hughes movie gave birth to the concept that would become Home Alone? Was it A, Ferris Bueller's Day Off? B, Uncle Buck? C, Weird Science? Or D, pretty in pink. Ponytails, cocktails. Thunderous wizard. Uncle Buck. That is correct, Uncle Buck. Apparently, the scene where Macaulay Culkin interrogates the guy through the mail slot gave uh, John Hughes the idea for the hey, what if what if a kid was home alone and had yeah. to like yeah. find his way, and then that became Home Alone. Okay, that's one point for the Thunderous Wizard. Heading into question number three, he's got the one-point lead. Chris Columbus was originally set to direct a different John Hughes script before turning it down in favor of Home Alone. What movie did he turn down? Was it A, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, B, The Great Outdoors, C, Career Opportunities, or D, Beethoven? Ponytails, cocktails, Christmas Vacation. Wow. Thunderous Wizard. Blowing stuff out of the water. That is correct. Damn it. 
And I'm pretty sure Chris Columbus did did direct Beethoven, so I just threw it in there to trick you guys. Um, hey, hey, Disney Plus, your streaming library shitter's full. <laughs> oh, I tell you what, man, Home Sweet Alone, Home Sweet Home Alone is probably clogging it up right now for sure. Uh, yeah, apparently Hughes uh offered uh, that script to chris columbus first but like on the first day chris columbus realized he couldn't work with chevy chase so he's like i can't do this give me something else i was like well what about this one he's like yep i'll take that i'll do this home alone movie chevy instead. chase uh known to be a little prickly chevy chase notorious jerk yeah um well that's two points for the thunderous wizard uh so you can yeah, tie your mccheese be- best you i can, can tie. do is tie. two questions left Question number four, Joe Pesci was not the first choice to play Harry. Which one of these famous actors turned down the role before it went to Pesci? Was it A, Dennis Hopper, B, Danny DeVito, C, Gary Busey, or D, Robert De Niro? I'm going to shoot. McGee's. B? B, Danny DeVito. He was considered for the role but never offered. Can you steal the Thunderous Wizard? Ponytails, cocktails. What you got? I I should know this because I watched the movies that made us and I can't remember. I feel like it's De Niro, but I'm going to say Dennis Hopper. Oof, you should have stuck with your gut there. It was, it De was Robert yeah. De Niro. But to be fair, they considered like everybody in Hollywood that's like under 5'10 for this, I'm pretty sure. But they, they also like, didn't really think he was going to be funny enough, as I recall. Yeah. They talked to Bob Hoskins. They, they talked to everybody uh, at some point, but, but they actually offered it to De, to De Niro. I think he was, he was the first choice, but he, he turned it down. Should, should have offered it to John Leguizamo. That would have worked. They, I think they just wanted that like <laughs> uh, Laurel and Hardy uh, dynamic. You know, they wanted one short, short guy. They wanted a short chubby guy who could be yeah. somewhat comedic. Yep. To, to be next to uh, Daniel Stern. <laughs> Alrighty, Thunderous Wizard, you've got this one in the bag. You've got a two to zero lead with one question left. So we're going to go to question number five, just for pride. John Candy appeared in the first Home Alone movie as a personal favor to Chris Columbus. How much was he paid for his cameo role? Was it A, nothing, B, $1, C, $414, or D, $7,000? Ponytails, cocktails. Thunderous Wizard. One dollar. That is incorrect. Oh, so what are my choices? All right. Let's see if you can steal this one just for some pride here and get yourself on the board, Mary. Mm, there's no pride. Was John Candy paid A, nothing, C, $414, or D, $7,000 for his cameo in the first Home Alone? Nothing. That is incorrect as well. Ah. I'm sorry. He was paid $414, which I guess was just, uh, oh, what do they call it? Uh, what do they call the prevailing wage? Um, Daily rate. Yeah, he was paid the standard rate. It's called he prevailing shot. wage. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, it's, that's in union work, right? But uh, or, but I think I think they call it like the, the standard, whatever. Anyway, he got that. He did one day of work. He improved all his lines as the polka king of the Midwest or whatever. But I guess he regretted that in hindsight after uh, oh. Home Alone went on to make like $414 million or something like that. He's like, I should ask for more money. They're the Kenosha kickers. Polka, polka. Yeah. Polka, polka. Polka. 
But uh, anyway, poor, poor John Candy. Well, all right. Well, congratulations, Thunderous Wizard. You have won tonight's Look What You Did, You Little Jerk Trivia Challenge. I hope you enjoy your less than lethal pneumatic pool ball gun. But don't worry. I filed off that serial number, so it's untraceable. Anyway, folks, that thankfully wraps up our Home Sweet Home Alone podcast for the night. Um, and we can now get on to recommendations. I'm going to go first because I'm selfish like that. The guys over at Rift Tracks released their commentary on the infamous Star Wars holiday special back in mid-November. So if you want to watch a holiday movie that's so bad it's good, I would check that out. It's probably the best way to watch the Star Wars holiday special because it's a tough go without the commentary. Um, but I will say the highlight of the actual special is definitely the animated portion that serves as Boba Fett's first on-screen appearance. Um, it's also where you get that like sniper rifle thing that uh, the Mandalorian uses. That's that's where that comes from. If you're not familiar, that's, uh, that's what Boba Fett totes around in the holiday special. And uh, you can find it uh, for free on YouTube right now. So check out the Rift Tracks guys doing the Star Wars holiday special. It's uh, definitely more entertaining than Home Sweet Home Alone. So what do you got for us, Mamre Cheese? Well, my first recommendation is do not watch this movie whatsoever at all.com. It might be the worst thing we've ever done. Um, Second, as a general fat man, I have a love for mountaineering that makes no sense because I'm never going to climb a mountain. And I think I've recommended at least one mountaineering movie on this pod but i'm going to do a second because i watched it last night there's a movie on netflix called 14 peaks uh it's pretty sweet it's about some dude out of nepal who um those guys get no credit because they're sherpas and they're kind of just swept under the rug for everest but he climbed all 14 of the uh tallest mountains in the world which is 8,000 meters or above um the previous world record was 16 years. He did it in seven months. So it's kind of nuts to watch. And it's uh, a little awe inspiring when you just see the visual footage of like what that sort of life looks like. And it's, it's cool shit. I would check it out. So 14 peaks on Netflix. Okay. Uh, and yeah, right on. So I had to like cleanse my soul. After watching <laughs> so i had to go wash yourselves in lake minnetonka yeah purify myself so i went back to arnold's old 80s catalog i watched a little red heat with with belushi and arnold and uh edo ross who was frequently a bad guy in 80s movies and uh it's great it's also based in chicago so that sort of fits but red heat where arnold plays a russian police officer who comes to chicago to track down uh, his nemesis, Victor Rostavelli, or where is Victor Rosta? I, sorry to cut you off because I've never seen Red Heat. What? 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 Ac- what accent is Arnold doing? If he's, he's doing in- his accent, and it's occasionally has a Russian note to it, but it's mostly just <laughs> Arnold. So it's worth watching just for Arnold trying to do a not Arnold Russian Arnold accent. It's definitely worth watching to see him fight Sven Hole Thorson at a Russian bathhouse in nothing but a loincloth. So yes. that happens. So, so you so you were all hot and bothered after being super sad about 
Home Sweet Home Alone. Red Heat's not his finest movie, but <laughs> it was directed by pod favorite Walter Hill, who did Bullet to the Head uh, for, and uh, 48 Hours, stuff like that. And it feels very similar to those. Like the musical cues sound very familiar to stuff like Commando. It's yeah. it's super 80s. Yeah. It's great. There's still drums? Oh, yeah. Like the music blum, is blum, very similar. That's a solid recommendation. <laughs> All right. Well, that wraps up our recommendations. Thanks again for joining us on this episode, Loyal Listener. Next week, we have the second installment in our Hops and Jingle Flop series. We'll be diving into Adam Sandler's Eight Crazy Nights, hosted by Captain Cash. You can find the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Hops and B.O. Flops. You can find me on Twitter at Chumpzilla8. Captain Cash can be found on Twitter, and most of your social media is at Captain Cash. And the Thunderous Wizard can be found on Twitter at WriterTLK. And last but not least, Mayor McCheese can be found at HBOF McCheese on Twitter. And please check out Wobam Entertainment at WobamEntertainment.com. If you enjoy the show, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe, and connect with us on social media to share ideas for future episodes. We're always looking for new movies to do. And just remember, folks, you can keep the change, you filthy animals. <laughs>